Before we begin this episode, I have some bad news to share with our Chop Shop family. On Sunday, January 14th, longtime Cinema Chop Shop co-host Chelsea was found dead from an apparent suicide by hanging at her residence outside Charlotte, North Carolina. She is survived by her mother, Shirley, and her son, Holden. This tragic loss only further proves we never know the inner struggles our friends and family face, despite what we may see on the outside. Listener, if you find yourself in a dark place, please know that you have friends and family who want to help, no matter how big or small your troubles may seem. Please, reach out. If you experience thoughts of suicide, it is my sincere plea that you contact the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988 in the United States or visit 988lifeline.org. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch, chop, retrofit. So, Todd and Joey, you guys are both like English language dudes, right? Like lit dudes. Well, we do. Uh, sometimes better than others, as you'll note from the 300th episode. Um, are there any phrases or terms that are misused that just irk you? Um, I don't like for all intensive purposes. Intensive for whatever reason, very, that, very that frustrating. Out of me and I uh, one of mine is mute point, but that one kind of makes sense because it's miles kind of per word. hour. Miles per, per hour. Per hour. Yeah, miles per hour, and also I don't think I've ever heard that over exaggerate. This isn't your grammar's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Irregardless of all of that. <laughs> this is Cinema Chop Shop. Welcome to the 301st episode. It's a whole new world. We're old folks now. Well, we were to begin with, but now the podcast is old. But uh, we're glad that you're joining us tonight. We have our usual band of merry idiots. Mm-hmm. A have, motley crew. We have Travisito. Yes, sir. Joey Poole. Hello. And Todd. Howdy. And I'm Sean. And we are going to... Take on one of the best years for movies. No, not one of. Don't qualify that motherfucker. It is the best year I don't in know. cinema. What I don't is know. your criteria for that? Because I got to say, I, I haven't really thought about a specific year, but I would have. I would definitely have to, for me personally, I would have to say that the 70s is the pinnacle That's of a decade. cinema. This is, this is Much one like it's year. the pinnacle of, of rock and roll. And so I absolutely agree with you. The 70s were an amazing decade for movies. However, as many amazing movies as came out in the 70s came out in one year. And that year was 1999. Absolutely. And we have a, have a theory as to why this is, right, There Travis? is a theory. It's a working theory. It, it might be a conspiracy theory. <laughs> um, my thinking is that everybody in the world was freaked out about Y2K. Premillennium tension. Yes. The world was going to end. Not just premillennium tension, but the literal Y2K computer bug. Uh, that was a very real threat, at least for the first two thirds of the year of 1999. And so we've got these people who are in positions to make very important financial decisions about what to green light. And they're like, what empty the bag get it all out there blow your load we're gonna make the best shit and it's gonna be amazing and then if the world's over we did our jobs thoughts 
I think that you're onto something with that. Plus, also, at the end of the century, we were facing uncertainty and the future. And so mm-hmm. you had a lot of creative types who were really inspired and kind of feeling that zeitgeist of what was mm-hmm. going on. And I think as a result, a lot of the things that were written and produced in the year 1999 reflect that. And Indeed. as a result, we have some really cool movies. It was the only time in the history of cinema where a century had changed and a millennium had changed in yes. terms of chronology. All right. So how are we going to confront this uh, beast? Okay. Of a- so this is what we're doing. It's going to be very similar to our baseball movies episode we all kind of chipped in and made recommendations of movies that we would like to see. And the idea was to come up with a bracket of 16 films. So with the exception of one or two, I think everyone's suggestions made the list in order to remain fair. We took the field of 16 and used the overall rotten tomatoes score to seed the movie. Now, when you say overall, are you talking about the critical score or the audience? I'm looking score? at the tomato meter. Tomato meter. Okay, so that's critical. The score. critical score. Okay. So it, again, this it is just made, out of fairness, and it made for some brutal first. Oh, two, this is two in particular for me are just. Oh, this is a bloodbath. Very bath. difficult. Yeah, there there yeah. are some tough tough matchups, but again. To be fair, that's just how we did it. We're going to jump in to the first round. We're going to run down each of the films and kind of talk about the synopsis for each and any other input that you guys want to throw into the mix to state your argument if you feel Mm -hmm. strongly one way or the other about said film. So the first movie, which was one that I didn't even think of when we were pitching movies, Mm -hmm. but it's the top of the list, 100% Rotten Tomatoes, Toy Story 2. 100% undeserved. Well, this is the sequel to the beloved Toy Story. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one was directed by John Lasseter. Woody, played by Tom Hanks, or voiced rather, is stolen from his home by a toy dealer, Al McWiggin, voiced by Wayne Knight, leaving Buzz Lightyear, played by Tim Allen, and the rest of the gang uh, to try to rescue him. But when Woody discovers he's actually a valuable collectible from a once popular television show called Woody's Roundup and is reunited with his horse Bullseye, Jesse the Yodeling Cowgirl, played by Joan Cusack, and his faithful sidekick Stinky Pete the Prospector, (laughs) played by the timeless Kelsey Grammer. Yes. He doesn't want to leave. Okay. Uh, So can I point out one glaring fact? Sure. This is the only sequel out of 16 movies that made the cut. Right. And to its credit, this is where the lore building of Toy Story kind of begins to take Mm -hmm. place. We get past the initial setup of these toys are real and alive unless humans are present, blah, blah, blah. And then we start to get into some of the things that they investigate with the the feelings of, of loss and the feelings of growing up and nostalgia and things like that. So it, it was a charming film. Mm-hmm. A surprise panel, number yeah. one seed, I think. Because it's uh, by Rotten Tomatoes scores, and yeah. it's the only one with a 100%. So kind of a shocking uh, one seed, and then the 16 seed here is a live one. Yep. Um, you know, this is not a, a play-in team from the – you know, Southwest Prairie League <laughs> Conference champions back into no. the tournament. This is a film in existence. Yes, David Cronenberg's uh, that is, I think, a live uh, a live 
16 seed here. Live with dog. A, with yes. a real shot at winning. When we did the baseball episode, we had Bull Durham versus fucking uh, Artie Lang's Beer League. Yeah. It was a, it was a blowout. It was over by Sure, that was a traditional one versus 16. This, yes. one, uh, this one could go either way. You guys are giving me FOMO. Keep talking about this baseball episode. I wasn't <laughs> um, so I, I did want to say that I just watched existence me too yesterday for really? the first time okay yes i'm dying to know what you guys think about it then i thought it, in classic cronenberg style it was real gross yeah and then it kind of won me over with the <coughs> meta game within a game within your brain aspect of it it is a, it is indicative of its time came yes, out like the was, week yeah. after the matrix the Spelling of the film is lowercase e, capital X, yes. I-S-T-E-N, capital so, Z. So 1999. So rated at 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. Video game designer Allegra Geller, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, Still hot. Has created a virtual reality game called Existence. After a crazed fan attempts to kill her, Allegra goes on the run with Ted, played by Jude Law, a young businessman who falls into the role of bodyguard. Super young Jude Law. In an attempt to save her game, Allegra implants into Ted's body the video game pod that carries a damaged copy of existence. Mm -hmm. Allegra and Ted engage in a series of experiences that blur the lines between fantasy and reality. Now, of course, this film comes complete with all of your typical Cronenberg body horror. Mm -hmm. And the, the penetration... The, Penetration the, is a theme throughout. The game port is basically a butthole in your back. Yes. <laughs> yep. If I remember right. It so is. So gross. And the, the... They have to lube it up. And the guns that they use are made from like reptile parts. Yes. And yes. with moss all over them. Yeah, they're organic to slip the, in the, under. The, super metal. weird. And the console itself is an organism. Yes. Yeah. Um, it looks like some sort of weird mutant vagina that's just pulsating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, apparently the user, though, forms an attachment to it like you would a dog or something mm -hmm. because we see Allegra getting upset when it, she thinks it's in danger. They, you imprint on your game pod. Right. Like, Travis, I watched it for the first time this week. Like any kind of one of these, you know, reality-hopping mindfuck movies, it's kind of a Rubik's Cube. Yes. Uh, for better or for worse, um, I probably should have sat down and watched it rather than doing it while I was doing laundry and those kind of things. <laughs> um, so I maybe stand my experience movies. of the movie is somewhat skewed for that. I have a feeling that I'm going to be the only dissenting voice here to vote for the number one seed. All right. Uh, so Joey's in for Toy Story 2. Todd, this was one of your recommendations. Yes. Uh, I have always thought this was a pretty underrated in Cronenberg's filmography. It's not one of the first ones that gets mentioned no, uh, in not. his movies. I didn't um, even know it existed. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and I wouldn't claim that it's his best film, but I do think it's... Uh, you mentioned part. It's, it really captures the '90s zeitgeist. There are a lot of sci-fi movies mm -hmm. uh, in the, that decade that came out that were grappling with the burgeoning technology, with uh, the internet and uh, cyberspace, video game technology, which this one uh, goes in as well. Virtual technology. Yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of it. Uh, there's a lot of the hallmarks of, of uh, Cronenberg uh, in there. I like the mind fuck of, you know, what's going on with this. Yep. There's there's his he also has some customary satire in there, like the spelling of existence, I think, is definitely him making fun of that type of thing in corporate uh slang. Well the font um, was the same as the X Files font. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Todd. 
Toy Story 2, I do think, is one of the better Toy Stories, having d- 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 uh, dived into those a few years back. I'm going to have to go with Existence, though, and that okay. might just be a personal thing. But I'm also it- going with Existence uh, for the reasons I mentioned already. And the only reason I would hesitate is because they called it a trout farm, but those weren't trout. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I wanted to right. say, too, for me, this one was hard because Toy Story 2 is... is it's arguably more of a commodity than a piece of film art, whereas existence is not a commodity. It's not a commercial. It venture. is a piece of art. It is a piece. It, it's very much a piece of film art. But it's a gross piece of art. And it's one that's, to me, is a little flawed as well. Mm-hmm. I, I am squarely on the fence with these two things. Mm-hmm. I love David Cronenberg. I think that existence. Was, set the tone. It set the tone. It spoke uh, a bit ahead of its time in terms of how we have become, uh, say we, and, and a generation has become addicted to video games in, in a way that's completely different. Not me. Completely different from when people our age grew up with video games. That Cronenberg shit ain't going to get me. Uh, yeah, right, Morty? <laughs> I, I just thought it was an interesting peering into the future kind of thing. Yes. You've got these guys that are living, breathing, existing, no pun intended, video games through Twitch, through what they actually play, through augmented reality, through VR. Toy Story 2, as you said, Joey, pretty flawless. However, it is part of the big corporate machine, and the, the, the revolutionary inside me says that I've got to pull for Cronenberg. Yeah. So I'm going to call the big NCAA first round upset in favor of existence mm. over Toy Story Woo-hoo. 2. Fuck Toy Story 2. And, and you- I will say this to our show's idiom. It is a sequel. Yep. If you had asked me without researching at what happened in Toy Story 2, I could not have told no, you. Not at all. Next up, we have a movie that you might have heard of called The Matrix. Uh-huh. That is the number nine seed with 83%. So we're doing the left tomatoes. side first. Yep, we're going to okay. do the whole left side bracket. At the time, directed by the Wachowski brothers. Now yep. they're the Wachowski sisters. Whoa, wait, both are, of them are siblings. Trans? I, I thought, thought they were siblings. Siblings. Yeah, one's a dude, one's a girl. Okay. Uh, no, one's Lana and one's Lily. Whoa. I, I Damn. Didn't, I didn't realize that they both were trans. Yeah. I thought that... It, okay. it, it happened in sequence. It was like one, then the other. Actually, when they were male, it was just a simulation. Apparently, the movie itself is it was a, on some level meant as an allegory for their trans experience somehow. Yeah, that I, don't I, know I think I think that that's really retconning though. But, I think yeah. they I think they mm-hmm. said that after the fact. No need to re to to rehash the plot of this in the interest of time. It's such a cultural touchstone. At Everybody this point. knows the Matrix. Everyone knows the Matrix. At the time it came out, I, I remember there being a lot of eye rolling, a lot of groaning about. Keanu Reeves, terrible actor. It was very wooden. And nobody really cared about it when it came out. Once it hit video aftermarket. Mm-hmm. Blew up. Then people were like, no, no, you need to see this. Mm-hmm. You've got to watch this movie. This movie's something else. Uh, awesome soundtrack. Some really cool uh, layered reality kind of things going yep. on. And Amazing special effects. The best special effects since Terminator 2. Agreed with you there. And as a, as a cultural touchstone, those special effects are still emulated, imitated, mm-hmm. parodied, what have you. Todd, you're being awfully quiet about Matrix. I may be the dissenting voice on the Matrix. I'm I figured because a, your next one a, is, the yeah. next one up is going to be your recommendation yeah. for the list. Uh, it's going head-to-head with the number eight seed at 84%. 
Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. Ghost Dog, Way uh, of the Samurai with Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Directed by Jim Jarmusch, which I did not know. I did not know that either. That's at amazing. At the time. Probably the only... Jar- I don't like Jarmusch as a general rule. I find his 90s slacker aesthetic really, really limiting. I run hot and cold on him. But it's either I like it or I don't like it. my favorite of his movies. Probably the yep. only one that I love. So how do we get past the cultural appropriation of a black samurai i don't think we do i mm-hmm. mean he's uh just studied it. in that you know i mean okay cultural appreciation appropriation was nothing new i mean yeah well, you know that's been going also on is, i think Rooney it's okay if one minority here. appropriates another minority but what about keanu reeves in the last or tom cruise in the last samurai or or keanu reeves in 47 ronin <laughs> Well, those are all all stories about white dudes, white dudes living <laughs> exactly. in a okay. different culture. So they're not. I don't know. For anyone who may not have seen this film at the time, Ghost Dog is a contract killer, a master of his trade, who can whirl a gun at warp speed and moves through the world like a phantom, stealthy and evanescent. That's a '90s word. Mm. In the spirit of the samurai, he has pledged his loyalty to a small-time mobster named Louie, played by John Torney, who saved his life many years before. I have not seen this movie since it originally came out. It I think was, I've seen it twice. It was I've so fucking cool. VHS. Such a cool movie. And it's unfortunate that we've got two action flicks going head to head. Well, I think that it was a commercial failure. Yes. Right? Yep. I think that not a lot of people saw it in the theater. Um, I think it's gotten some critical and cult following acclaim. But man, this is... All right. I haven't even thought about this movie in years. You've got to dodge bullets, Matrix uh, style. No, I'm going Ghost Dog. You're going Ghost yeah. Dog. Oh, okay. You're going Ghost Dog? I'm going Ghost Dog. I'm going Ghost Dog as well. I, I'm Holy not a fan of The Matrix. Shit. To me, The Matrix yeah. is like that stoner conspiracy theorist mm-hmm. that you nice. went to high school with. It's his favorite movie. Um, it's a good movie. It's not as heady a movie as yeah. many people seem to think it is. Yeah, it's it, not the Messiah. It's definitely. <laughs> I like know. that. I, I put it in the same category with Inception as a you know. Oh, it's this philosophical puzzle box. Right. It's kind of like. You know, I like Inception better than The Matrix. I think probably I, I do has, too. But for at, me, you know. Ghost Dog has a crude cachet since it came out the matrix's cachet has kind of eroded then we're just gonna jump we're gonna jump straight into the next part what was your vote gonna be though Uh, i was gonna say the matrix just because of of its staying power uh just because of its impact and its resonating impact today right however i do love ghost dog i think it was so cool i need to rewatch it yeah all right moving on uh we are looking at (laughs) a controversial film it was the best picture, according to the Oscars. It mm-hmm. was also uh, the best director, best actor. That didn't age well. And best screenplay. We're talking about American Beauty. 87% directed by Sam Mendes. Pretty early Sam Mendes movie. Yeah. He went on to do yeah. a lot of things. A telesales operative becomes disillusioned with his existence and begins to hunger for fresh excitement in his life. That's gross and he experiences a new awakening of the senses his wife and daughter also undergo changes that seriously affect their family blah 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 i kind of like this movie when it came out travis you raised an interesting point about should we even include it for various reasons that there's are- some controversy about it uh, obviously kevin spacey's like 
been revealed to be kind of a shady dude. Well, we got another um, shady dude coming up in the second half of the bracket. And um, yes, the movie itself was very of its time. Looking back, mm-hmm. it's fun to make fun of, like the bag, the the bag, oh, God. the, the so plastic dorky. bag, yeah, or the drive-through scene with. Uh, now I do like the drive-through the, scene yeah. where, where Annette Benning shows up with her realtor friend and they're like carrying on and he's taking their order. Yes, that was that was probably my favorite part of the film. Uh, but of course we've got some problematic issues of him fucking a teenager. Yeah, and then also oh, he doesn't the, though because he's he's into her. Right, and then when they start making out on the couch and she reveals that all of her sexual bravado was just bravado and that she's, she's a, virgin. a virgin yeah he stops and then they yeah. have like a moment yeah. so yeah and then there's that doesn't also mean you have the, to like it but that is there's okay. also the scene with uh sheriff july johnson from lonesome dove where he's like the hardcore military dad so chris cooper yeah chris cooper and he turns out to be like a closeted homosexual yep and, and then with a Nazi uh, fetish and, yes. then, and then thora birch showing off her uh her boobids yes mm-hmm. Um, Which is, you talk about inappropriate, you've got a lot of, based according to their characters, underage nudity in this movie. So, it's... I I like American Beauty, and I would say as far as the controversial elements, the question to me with something like that is, does it seem like the filmmaker is... Mm -hmm approving of that stuff and i don't think that he is i don't think that he's you have approving to separate of, the art from the artist. correct i don't think that he's approving of kevin spacey mm-hmm. lusting after a teenage girl um he's merely making the comment that that sort of situation exists right exactly now there are some kind of precious moments like oh look at the beautiful you know trash plastic bag in yeah. the wind like come on all I right mean, that, that doesn't age well. deep in 1999 right yeah. but uh, i also really really appreciated the fact that wes bentley's character was also a high-end drug dealer who referred to his buyers as clients and he only smoked the best shit yeah which is if you really lived in 1999 there was mostly just dirt weed going right. around just as a <laughs> all right moving on to its competitor we're looking at an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Woo! That's too low. Office Space, directed yes. by Mike Judge. Based on a short film by him from 1992. Corporate mm-hmm. drone Peter Gibbons, played by Ron Livingston, hates his soul-killing job at software company Inatech. While undergoing hypnotherapy, Peter is left in a blissful state when his therapist dies in the middle of the session. He refuses to work overtime, plays games at his desk, and unintentionally charms two consultants into putting him into management on the fast track. When Peter's friends learn they're about to be downsized, they hatch a revenge plot against the company inspired by Superman 3. Yes. (laughs) All right, so we got to talk about the cast. Well, we got Ron Livingston as the main character. Uh, We've got Jennifer Aniston in like. One of her first movie roles outside yeah. of Friends. She was right? still doing Friends at the time, yeah. Um, we've got Ajay Niadu. Naidu? Not going to work here anymore. Not going to work here. Yeah. Uh, David Herman from Mad TV. Yep. As Michael Bolton. Yep. Uh, we've got Gary Cole as. Peter. I kind of need you to come yeah. in. <laughs> You got what Steve, about I those TV yeah, reports? Um, so bad. Every you got, you got Steven Root. Steven Root. Have you seen my stapler? The Man of yep. a Thousand Faces. John C. McGinley. Yes. Dr. Cox as one of the I two I just cherish his whole entire discography talking about Michael Bolton. And Deed- then Diedrich Bader. And you got one more beyond that. You got the great character actor Richard Reel. The Jump. 
to conclusions, yes. Matt. Yes. <laughs> okay, so you said that this movie was also controversial. Who's controversial? No, no, no. I'm talking about something later. Oh, later. okay. I was second like, half. What second did half. Mike Judge do? No, no, no. Second half. Besides King of the so, Hill. So let's cut to the chase here. Is anybody voting for American Beauty? I'm getting the feeling that this might be another no. upset. Let's save our comments for uh, an office space for the second round because I think it's going through. Yes? It's going through for me. Oh, it's yeah. going through. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah, office space over American Beauty. I've got lots to say about office space. Absolutely. Especially about O face. That, was, that, was, the, that uh, was my suggestion, by the oh, way, Office Space. Oh, Are oh, you going to show your O-Face? Yeah. O-Face. That's the uh, traditional 12-5 upset, too. There's yep. always a 12-5 upset. Yep. I didn't that. know that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Man, you guys know a lot about sports. All right, we're moving on to the bottom of the bracket, and then we all get to go pee. So let's keep it going. I already peed. Number 13. I can see it. Um, number 13, <laughs> Green Mile. The Green Mile. From Such a good movie. Night, it's a 79%. <laughs> Directed by Frank Darabont, written by Stephen King, uh, or based on a story by Stephen King. Paul Edgecombe, played by Tom Hanks, walked the mile with a variety of cons. He had never encountered someone like John Coffey, played by Michael Clark Duncan, Mm -hmm. a massive black man convicted of brutally killing a pair of young sisters. Coffey had the size and strength to kill anyone, but not the demeanor. Beyond his simple, naive nature and deadly fear of the dark, Coffey seemed to possess a prodigious supernatural gift. Paul began to question whether Coffey was truly guilty of murdering the two girls. Frank Darabont is one of the only directors who has managed to adapt a Stephen King book to film to success. Uh, he also did Shawshank Redemption. And The Mist, which I think is very underrated. Yeah, I'm going to do... I'm going to have a... Comp- I already know. I already here. know the uh, liberal professor argument. Joe hated is make. it. <laughs> to make another. Why don't reference. you like it, man? This movie is a bucket of custard, man. It is maudlin, <laughs> and it has the most egregious, like, overuse of the magical Negro. I knew you were going to use that phrase. I filmed. knew it. So. And I knew I you were going to use that, that up. I think you're show, being cliche, was, Joey. It's the kind Scolded. of movie that old white people love to watch when Fox News is talking about something boring. I, I don't like this movie at all. I hmm. actively hate this movie. And Do I you like that, it better or worse than Green Book? I have not yet seen the Green Book. I like, book, Green book I like the Green Book this. much better, I'm sure. <laughs> You're sure. <laughs> You're sure, without even seeing it. I'm sure. I, I have my issues yeah. with Green Book, and I still like yeah. Green Book. All right. Than this. I can see the magical ar- uh, tr- uh, Negro trope argument, which I knew you were going to bring up. The However, my only, my only concern with that is how the Fox News... Yes, it, it does make the Fox News crowd feel like they're not actually racist because they actually like this character. However, I would argue to kill, to that... To kill a Mockingbird effect. Well, yes, and I, but I would argue, though, that how the audience responds is not the responsibility of the filmmaker. And as a movie, as a pure um, entertainment, let's uh-huh. say... Um, I think it works very well. And that's Stephen King's whole thing. He's not trying to be James Joyce. He's an entertainment guy. Um, and I think this movie works on that score. Fucking Todd's brain still works. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going head to head with a film that has a 90%. It's our number four seed. It's Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Also my suggestion. Directed by Dean Pariseau. Yes. The uh, stars of a 1970s sci-fi show now scraping a living through reruns and sci-fi conventions uh-huh. are beamed aboard an alien spacecraft, believing the cast's heroic on-screen dramas 
are historical documents of real-life adventures. The band of aliens turn to the ailing celebrities for help in their quest to overcome the oppressive regime in the solar system. You have the exact same synopsis. It's called Wikipedia. Yes. Um, the starring, cast. Starring Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, the late, great Alan Rickman, hmm. Tony Shalhoub, and we get a young Rain Wilson in there, too. You're leaving out hmm. two very important ones. Tell me. Sam Rockwell. Yes. And Justin Long. Justin Long. Thank hmm. you. Future uh, Scream King. Yes, he is a Scream King. king. Yes. Um, I'll speak to this movie. Yes, please. It was so indicative of the Star Trek culture at the time when it came out. Uh, the the sci-fi Comic-Con culture. It did a The Trekker. It did that great job of of balancing uh, poking fun yet celebrating at the same time, uh, much like the movie Theater Camp that I talked about from last yeah, year yeah, yeah. in our best of. Also, like that, unlike Spaceballs, it satirizes not just the show itself and similar stuff, but also the phenomenon of the show. Itself. Precisely, Very much so. Good point. And it plays into the plot of the show itself, which mm. I think is kind of cool. Uh, beyond that, the film itself has enjoyed a bit of a renaissance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people well, you are, know they made a show, right? They made a TV show yeah. based on a movie based on a TV show. <laughs> but there is actually a new generation of people who have discovered this show mm-hmm. online, and now there is a new discussion about how this show is like, holy shit, that's uh, whatever his Snape from Harry yes. Potter. You've got a lot of young viewers who are discovering the show for the first time. Wait till movie. they see Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> So, I think it's cool. I I like this film. I thought it was uh, refreshing, uh, and it is kind of an outlier when you look at the uh, the, the the films that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. It's one of those where it's just like, who thought of this? It was clever. I'm gonna abstain because this was a movie that I planned to watch today, and I ended up mm. spending a few hours at the car wait, shop wait, instead. Wait, wait, wait. So you never saw I, Galaxy Quest? I only watched a YouTube highlight reel, and I don't feel like it would be fair Oh, for my. Me. So, so Todd's done for the night. He's going to go ahead <laughs> he and leave. He is kicked from the panel. No, but this makes it easy because the three of you Yeah, okay. Uh, there's right. a couple on the list that I haven't seen I'm either, so I'll do the Galaxy same Quest. Galaxy Quest. All right, yeah. so Galaxy Quest is in. All right. We're going to take a pee break, and we're going to take on the second half of the bracket, but Sounds not good. before we all say, Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some, some Captain Wafers and V8. That's what I was drinking and eating for breakfast in 1999. Awesome. Yum, yum. It's time for a tasty and refreshing snack. We promise to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, your sweet tooth. So visit our refreshment center now. Let's go! And we're back, and we are going to continue our bracket. But uh, uh, My phone's telling me we're supposed to do a podcast. Let's do it. Anybody got any beer check-ins we want to talk about? Uh, uh, I'm just drinking the hazy little thing. I brought a uh, on theme beer. Uh, you may have heard of it. It's Guinness Draft. Uh, How so? It's, it's on theme because in 1999, I drank a lot of Irish car bombs. Oh, okay. This is the perfect opportunity. Where were you in 1999? It could be the summer of 1999, the peak of movie season. It could be just where you were. So I'll start. Uh, I graduated high school in 1999. And I worked at a cotton mill that summer. 
uh, Beacon Mills in Westminster, South Carolina. And I was saving money and preparing to move to Florence to attend Francis Marion University right here in Florence, South Carolina, where I met all of you fine folks. Nice. Yes. Um, I was between Clemson and uh, Columbia uh, in grad school. I was working at Winn-Dixie. Nice. And when those still existed? Yeah. Um, I, like Travis, was also uh, graduating from my little podunk country school of Green Sea Floyds, going to... I always forget uh, that you went to Green Sea Floyds. I did. Uh, I worked uh, that summer at the North Myrtle Beach Grand Prix, which is a (laughs) go-kart place. Uh, Pretty fun job. and I both had Um, hair on our nuts already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My friends and I, at the we would always get off at midnight, so we would uh, sneak into uh, the House of Blues that had like a little club night thing. Mm -hmm. And back then, they they didn't have a very good uh, system for policing people. It was 1999. You just asked someone who was of age to give you their bracelet when they were walking out, and then you went in. And then I went to, uh, yeah, Clemson from there. It's called a sneak in. Exactly. I was doing black ops for the government, so I can't talk about it. All right, moving on to the second half of the bracket. We've got our number three seed, a 92% rated movie, Election. Election. Also, whose suggestion was this? Uh, I probably know. mine. Yeah, probably I'm, yours. Yeah. Directed so by, good. Directed by Alexander Payne, who just mm-hmm. recently directed The Holdovers. The holdovers. Mm-hmm. You don't really talk, we don't really talk about Alexander Payne. His movie. He's one. No, well he's done, uh, he's one of my favorite directors. This uh, guy's filmography, man. No, well, he, he he doesn't. He every. What do you mean years, we don't he's talk like the about Olymp- it? Yeah. Well, the movies themselves are all have all been very well received, but like no one mentions. He's not a star director. Exactly. He's yeah. not. He's well, not. And he also put up there he, in the upper yeah. echelon of our tours. I mean, about well, and Schmidt, he takes four to five years Nebraska. between movies. Most of the time, he's like the Olympics. Every four years, he puts out a masterpiece. <laughs> All right, um, so election. Jim McAllister, played by a skinnier version of Matthew Broderick, a well-liked high school government teacher, can't help but notice that successful student Tracy Flick, played by Reese Witherspoon, uses less than ethical tactics to get what she wants. Mm-hmm. When Tracy runs for school president, Jim feels that she will be a poor influence on the student body and convinces Paul a dim-witted but popular student-athlete to run against Tracy. When she becomes aware of Jim's secret involvement in the race, a bitter feud is sparked. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny that you call um, Jim McAllister a skinnier Matthew Broderick because Jim McAllister was supposed to have been a fatter Ferris Bueller. Yep. Um, <laughs> Wait, what do you mean by that? Is there a real person? Is this based on real events? No, no. Uh, I just mean the Matthew it's- Broderick was... You know, fatter than he was playing than he was playing uh, Ferris Bueller. It's the and natural they progression. Thing, you know, he had a little gut. They showed him trying yeah. to run and work off the, the belly fat. Now he's fatter still. I yeah. just thought it was funny that, that you know that Sean uh, made a point to call him a skinnier Matthew Broderick. Uh, but. I like this movie. I thought it was a really cool one. It's so good. Yeah, I, I love this movie. Clever. I have ever since I saw it. Um, I got the Criterion Blu-ray as soon as it came out. Um, I it it's just so fucking funny yep. mm-hmm. um dry humor but uh you know really good the performances are outstanding i mean broderick is great uh reese witherspoon of course this was probably her coming out role unless you can no man her. in the moon man, yeah i agree with everything that y'all have said gushing about this movie i agree with it but it's up against a buzzsaw this is one of the fucking brutal brutal matchups 
It's going head to head with a 79% rated. I didn't look at the second part. Of Fight that. Club, directed by Damn David it. Fincher. A depressed man, Edward Norton, suffering from insomnia, meets a strange soap salesman named Tyler Durden, played mm-hmm. by Brad Pitt. And soon finds himself living in his squalid house after his perfect apartment is destroyed. The two board men form an underground club with strict rules and fight other men who are fed up with their mundane lives. Their perfect partnership frays when Marla, played by Helena Bottom Carter, Mm -hmm. a fellow support group crasher, attracts Tyler's attention. And you're glossing over the support group crasher because that's kind of the beginning of... Uh, what we know about these two characters, Edward Norton and Helena Bottom Carter, is that they need to feel something. And they go to these support groups in order to cry, in order to emote. All right, let's take a quick poll of the group to see, is there a contest here? This is a brutal matchup. I want to know what everyone's take is, and then we can get into greater detail. I got to go okay. Fight Club over Election, even though I love Election. I, I struggle with this one. I ultimately, they're both great. They're both great. They both could win this tournament from a different seed. I'm going with Fight Club as well. Here's why. Ultimately, I decided that this is a movie that has been grossly misinterpreted by like alt-right toxic yep, yep, masculinity yep. bros. All right. And at first, I was like, "That you know, that's a that's a red flag." But then, actually, it's a strength of the movie because yeah. it's so fucking rich that it's open for so many interpretations, mm-hmm. and it's not didactic, and it's not it's preachy. Almost a parody of that mindset. And this movie has had an indelible effect on our society. I think you could trace a direct line from this movie to the Occupy Wall Street, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, movement to like, all this conspiracy theory stuff, and I. It's a fucking good movie, and I'm voting. I am afraid that. uh, uh, Sorry, real quick, I want to interject. Going back to um, election, if we hadn't had election, we wouldn't have Mean Girls, and we wouldn't have Mm -hmm. Abbott Elementary. Oh, I agree. Um, I probably would have seeded these one and two if I were seeding it myself. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We said at the outset, this is a brutal bracket. I like Fight Club, but I still prefer election by about five points. I don't even think it's a buzzer beater. Um, and I think the reason why is the rewatchability, the twist in fight club. I do think it's one of those movies that it does lose a little something. I'm not saying it loses everything, Joey. I see you shaking your head. I'm sorry, but when you know the twist, mm-hmm. it does like the sixth sense or one of those movies. It does well, lose a little something from well, its power. Well, 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 whereas when you can rewatch Election, it's kind of interesting that Matthew Broderick thing. was in Election and the scenario, the dynamic in Fight Club has been compared <laughs> to the fan theory. Ferris Bueller that, and Cameron. In Ferris yeah. Bueller and that and was Cameron. mine. Remember, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Todd completely well-founded in what you said about election it's a great film i'm gonna have to side with fight club mm-hmm. and it kills me to do so like i said this is a bloodbath room of, of the first, wrong this is a right, blood, blood all right so todd is officially ejected from the <laughs> all right, so we get to talk about fight club later i'll i'll, I'll save one other little fact yeah, for it for plenty. the next round all right so we're moving on uh we're going up against uh, the the uh, number eleven seed, an eighty percent rated film, "The Virgin Suicides" by mm-hmm. uh, Sofia Coppola. Her first film, right? 
In an ordinary mm-hmm. suburban house on a lovely tree-lined street in the middle of 1970s America lived the five beautiful, dreamy Lisbon sisters mm-hmm. whose doomed fates indelibly marked the neighborhood boys who to this day continue to obsess over them. A story of love and repression, fantasy and terror, sex and death, memory and longing. It is, at its core, a mystery story, a heart-rending investigation into the impenetrable, life-altering secrets of American adolescence. Impenetrable, because they're virgins. Yes, uh, starring uh, Kirsten Dunst and Josh Hartnett. Yeah. Did, was his hair messy yet? I don't know. The thing I remember most from this movie was, and this was just kind of an endearing, sweet, innocence kind of thing, where mm-hmm. they were communicating with the records that they were playing. Or loss of innocence. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. However... Um, I think that 80% may be a little high on that, huh. on this movie. I I don't know. Todd, you're, you're, you're kind of in a I, I maybe like, disagree. I like the movie because one thing I really like, always have liked about the movie is that it, it's very nostalgic, even though it's ultimately in a, a profoundly sad film and okay. it's sad throughout it. And I like how Sofia Coppola managed that tone. There's a dreamy quality to it that I really like, even though it's not a it's it's a realistic movie. But yeah. there's a dreaminess to it that I really think that she captured I, very well. I agree with you there. I, I really do like that. Uh, leave it to Beaver kind of uh, aesthetic that they have with some really dark shit going on that, right. that is that is kind of a conflicting tonally yeah tones you know mm-hmm. butting heads so yeah. i think that these guys these dudes who are reflecting back on these sisters are only so nostalgic because they think they're exotic they think they're from portugal <laughs> because their last name is lisbon lisbon joey this is one of those movies that uh, and there's a, a couple like this where the soundtrack it, the the score actually the which is done by air uh, is like burned into my memory. Because and how I, do you mean done by air? The mo- the band the French yeah. electronic oh, band Air. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I inherited that the CD of that score from an ex girlfriend, and it was like the soundtrack for you know reading or not reading or writing or grading or what you know okay. whatever that yeah, kind yeah. Of thing background years years music yeah so I, i'm really really the i'm familiar intimately familiar with the with the soundtrack the movie itself i've seen a couple of times uh not very recently but in my memory it's very hazy okay and sort of not literally hazy but like there's this like you also said this like ethereal quality to it. Like, yes. Are you talking about yeah, the cinematography what, or no, the no, 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 just the the storytelling subject, somehow? Yeah, okay. And yeah. I think it's about how like women don't exist as people to men; they exist mm. a lot, also often as like mm-hmm. this enigma or this like yeah, yeah, something so. to be figured out. And I think it does very well at and that. And the ending fits in with that interpretation yeah. as God well. Damn it, you guys, you're so poignant. And <laughs> So in my this is one of those that I, I probably should have rewatched. I haven't seen it in going on two decades now, probably. But uh, is I'm just going to say this out loud: it's going to destroy the movie that it's up against. All right. right? Speaking of, right? we're going head to head with the higher seed number six in the bracket. It's an 86 percent rated film, The Sixth Sense. 
I the, see dead people. The big <laughs> debut of M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan mm-hmm. Ding Dong. Mm-hmm. Young Cole Sear, played by Haley Joel Osment, is haunted by a dark secret. He is visited by He's ghosts. He's haunted by the secret that he's going to get big and fat. Cole is frightened by visitations from those with unresolved problems who appear from the shadows. He is too afraid to tell anyone about his anguish except child psychologist Dr. Malcolm Crow, played by Bruce Willis. As Dr. Crow tries to uncover the truth about Cole's supernatural abilities, the consequences for client and therapist are a jolt that awakens them both to something unexplainable. Uh, also starring Tony Collette as the mother. Yes. And Mark mm-hmm. Wahlberg's in this movie. Yeah, barely. Um, Tony Collette's one of the bright spots in this movie. Agreed. So, uh, just full disclosure, I'm doing something I have never done on this podcast before. I've never said. Put your dick away, Joey. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> That's for later. Uh, I've never sat in front of you guys and faked watching a movie, so I'm not going to do it now. You've I'm, never seen this? I have never seen The Sixth Sense. And I, I was going to watch it this week, but I was like, nope. A couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, I vowed on this podcast that I would go to my grave without ever seeing this movie. <laughs> On so, the one and done episode. So you have no vote on this and bracket. I said it was a none and done because by the time that I had gotten around to seeing it, someone had the, spoiled. Okay. And you, what you just said pretty much explains my view of the yeah. film. It is a once watch movie for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you know the hook, you're done. Yep. A similar film that has more staying power is The Others yeah. with Nicole Kidman. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though you know going into it on a second viewing what the hook is, yep. mm-hmm. it's still a better film. Yep. And, well, and, and I tipped my hand in the in the uh, previous round because I did allude to The Sixth Sense. Right. Uh, now, again, Fight Club uh, does a better job of avoiding what The Sixth Sense does not, okay. which is the rewatchability factor. Because once you know the twist, I saw that movie when it was in theaters. I really liked it. I was not one of the people who guessed the ending, so I was like, whoa, that's awesome. And I then I never felt the need to see it again. I've seen it in the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's take a quick poll then. Uh, Virgin Suicides over Sixth Sense. Travis. Virgin Suicides. Virgin Suicides. I'm going Virgin Suicides by because default. Because you can't, yeah. yeah. So uh, we are unanimous on Virgin Suicides. A six, a six over, or 11 over six upset. All right, then let's go on just quickly to the next film. Which is an 86% rated film. It's the Blair Witch Project Woo-hoo! that Travis recommended. Directed by Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Murek. Uh-huh. This is about to get ugly. This is the mm-hmm. granddaddy of the found video footage craze. Found footage, baby. The grandmama. I like to call it the grandma. Grandmama. Uh, the, the tale uh, of three footage. film students, Heather Donahue, Joshua Leonard, and Michael C. Williams, who've traveled to a small town to collect documentary footage about the Blair Witch, a legendary local murderer. Over the course of several days, the students interview townspeople and gather clues to support the tale's veracity. But the project takes a frightening turn when the students lose their way in the woods and begin hearing horrific noises. When this movie came out, 19-year-old Travis got scared as fuck. <laughs> Probably watched it on VHS or DVD at the time. Um, and then didn't really think about it for a long, long time. And then about maybe a couple months ago, I was like, got to rewatch that Blair Witch. And it scared me again. I was scared. I had to snuggle with my lovely wife, Michelle, because I was scared. Much like Travis, I saw it at the time. I saw it in the theaters and I huh? saw it. There may have been some herbal paranoia going around. Were you scared? Around. 
Oh my God! Yes, yes. Uh, it was scary. We went. We came back to my friend DJ's. You guys know. DJ. I love DJ. Uh, I love we went DJ. out to DJ's ghetto apartment in Columbia. Uh, my friend Tony from Spain was here. You he saw the movie with us. I know Tony from and, Spain. Uh, he, we were all a little bit freaked out. And I didn't. I knew it wasn't real. I knew it. You know, it was found footage. I knew the gimmick, but it. The movie does such a good job at making you think that. Yeah. Or suspending disbelief. Tony, when we got back to the apartment, Tony went to the bathroom, and we all decided that we were going to go stand in the corners. Oh, fuck, like the Brent, Like the Blair no. Witch forces, Jesus you know, Christ, the kids are And he comes back out of the bathroom, and he <sighs> fucking lost his shit, and it was so funny. And Todd, Todd's going to trash this movie in a few minutes, so just yeah. so the, the listeners at home know, Todd is wrong. The Blair Witch is fucking great. It is oh, a wow. one of the great. Top have you rewatched it since you saw it in nineteen ninety? Yes, I, I have. have. Uh, of all time, I know you. I know it you is. Okay. I know. Don't at me about it being the not the first found footage, but it's all right. A damn good Nostalgia. One. All right, Todd. Any statements about Blair Witch? Uh, yeah, it's nigh unwatchable. Okay. Um, I saw it in. Uh, I saw it initially, Joey. Fair enough. I, and I didn't like it, but Joey sung its praises a couple years ago, and I didn't remember enough about it, so I was like, let me give it another chance. Uh, the sound that you mentioned from the description that's supposed to be the hallmark, you can hardly hear shit. It's just like, you know, Heather Donahue going, it's like crashing oh, God, trees. did you hear that? No, I didn't it's hear crashing shit. I'm not at all. The thing's, you know, shaking around. Uh, it's just millennials bitching at each other. It is nigh They're not millennials. They're, not millennials. They're Gen Xers. Uh, Gen Xers, sorry. The millennials were barely right. born. Okay, whatever. Okay. Gen right. Xers, whatever. I'll save my opinion. Sounds opi- like you're wrong. All right, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, because all right, I got so I'm going to save my opinion uh, until the later round, if it makes it through. It's going up against an 82% rated film. It's the number 10 seed. It's called Magnolia, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Now, uh, this one's almost unwatchable. On a mm, rand no. disagree with that, I dude. agree with you. I no. think that it is convoluted, so, here we and go. it loses its track. All right, here we go. Here we go. On one random day in the San Fernando Valley, a dying father, a young wife, a male caretaker, a famous lost son, a police officer in love, a boy genius, an ex-boy genius, a game show host, and an estranged daughter will each become part of a dazzling multiplicity of plots, but one story. The only good part is the frogs. Hmm. It's the worst part of the movie. That's my favorite part. I like, okay, I'm going to vote Blair Witch. Because I do think that it's way to bury the lead. But uh, okay, it, no, it, no, let's keep but going. The Magnolia is is not a great movie. It's a very good one. Uh, what's his name? P.T. Anderson, Anderson has better films, but I like this like, one a lot. I like a lot of things about it. It is a little bit convoluted. It is a, it is a little bit of a struggle to pull it all together. Yeah. One positive about this movie: this is the only movie in existence. That I can watch Tom Cruise in and not think, oh well, there's Tom Cruise. Like yeah. this is the only movie for me in which he acts. So let's let's see what we've got going on in the room. Then uh, you're voting Blair Witch. Blair Witch. Todd. Uh, Magnolia. I like Magnolia. Okay. I don't think it's perfect. Travis. Fuck Magnolia. <laughs> Blair, Blair Witch. Witch all the way. I'm gonna say Blair Witch just to bury Magnolia. I it's, fucking hate that okay. movie. P.T. Anderson was like 30 years old when this came out. It's not a perfect movie. He was obviously like a huge fan of Robert Altman. This was like his version of Nashville or something like oh, that, where you're you trying wish. to do, the, where you're trying to do the, you know, multi. He wishes. So I mean, it's not perfect, but I, I like it. I rewatched it uh, within the last couple of years. Like I went, again, I went so. head to head with friends 
at the time bitching each so other you, out you over the internet. You compared Magnolia to the TV show Friends? No, no, no. My friends and I, oh. I remember emailing them because that's what we did back in 99 that I was like, you're fucking crazy. You're stupid. This movie sucks. And they're like, no, it's great, man. It's like, there will be blood is one of the great movies of the. All right, here we go. Here we century. go. Here we go. Bottom of the bracket. And we are going to look at sweet and Lowdown with a 77% directed by Woody Allen recommended by Joey. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it starring Sean Penn. I did not watch it. Uh, I just watched it today. Okay. Uh, it was the, this morning very, before I had to go get very my differing. Perspectives. Here we go. Emmett Ray isn't an easy guy to be around. Among other things, he's inconsiderate and egomaniacal. He also happens to be a jazz guitarist with undeniable talent. And despite his many faults, he ends up winning the heart of Hattie, played by Samantha Morton, a kind, young, mute woman. Hattie's seemingly endless patience with Emmett is tested, however, when his incessant irresponsibility and infidelity leading their relationship to its breaking point, also starring Uma Thurman. Um, oh, okay. I like this movie. I, I thought it, it was cool. Well. I like the faux documentary aspect of yeah. it. Uh, I like the little vignette interviews, even mm-hmm. though Woody Allen's in it. Yeah, that's um, it, the it, one flaw. It plays like a Ken Burns kind of thing. I thought it was kind of cool. Yep. Uh, Joey, I you, this is your recommendation. What do you have to say about uh, it? Well, what I watched this movie somewhere around 1999, yeah. and at the time I was obsessed with Django Reinhardt. Yeah. Um, which the character, Sean Penn's character, his name's Emmett Ray, is that right? He's the second best guitarist in the world. He's also obsessed with Django Reinhardt. Only to so Django Reinhardt, yeah. That's one of the reasons that, that I kind of fell in love with this movie. Um, you know, Woody Allen is a bona fide creeper. Yeah, um, that's mm-hmm. one so big That's downfall. problematic, right. but I mean, honestly, I can separate the art from the artist, True. especially in this case. It's um, charming. It's a pretty damn good movie. It's not a perfect movie. It's, right. a, it's, not, it's borderline great. Sean Penn is really good. Got the Oscar nomination, I believe. For, yeah, he did. Uh, he got a nom for this, which I'd never heard of this movie until you brought it up. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. still never heard of it. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's unfortunate. I think that it it is paired up against the uh, a strong, strong two seed. So here we go. The number two man. seed, ninety four percent, directed by Spike Jones and written by Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman. It's, and so we've got. Uh, a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, starring John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, Kathleen Keener, and, of course, John Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. So Travis Malkovich, obviously Malkovich. has strong feelings since he took over. In this quirky cult favorite comedy, unemployed New York City puppeteer Craig Schwartz, played by John Cusack, reluctantly takes a temp job as a filing clerk for the eccentric Dr. Lester, played by Orson Bean. While at work, Craig discovers a portal that leads into the mind of renowned actor John Malkovich. John Horatio Malkovich. When he lets his attractive co-worker, Maxine, Catherine Keener. It's Catherine, not Kathleen, by the way. Is uh, it? In On the Secret, they begin both an unusual business scheme and an odd relationship that involve Craig's restless wife, Lot. So I thought it was really Played funny that they Cameron made Cameron Diaz, Diaz ugly oh, and yeah. Kath- Kathleen Keener the hottie Catherine. Uh, I really think it's Kathleen. So I think Kathleen's pretty hot too though. Yeah. I think right? she's, I think she's Kathleen's adorable. Kathleen's really yeah. hot, right? Yeah. All right. So let's, let's save this for the second bracket because I think that I know where everyone's going. Joey. Wow. If I'm voting 
with my heart. <laughs> I'm voting for the sweet and the lowdown. All right. If I'm voting with my head, I'm voting for being John Malkovich. Because it's a better uh, movie. Sweet low, sweet low down was fine. Uh, Woody Allen, uh, you know, wasn't in it too much. I hate him, loathe him, not just because of his creeper status, but I don't like Annie Hall. Anything in which he's acting. I don't acting, care for his. I don't like that. Oh, I'm the blah, blah, blah. His aloofness. It sucks. It's not funny. Yes. All right. um, but anyway, I liked it. But uh, being John Malkovich, so I saw that within the last couple of years. Great movie, so. Travis. Oh, I already said. Malkovich. Yeah. yeah. Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. All right, so we got John Malkovich going into the next one. All right. Sweet and Lowdown deserved a higher seed. All right, here's where we start to pick up steam. Thank you, listener, for enduring all of this. We've got Existence versus Ghost Dog. Ooh, that's mm. going to be tough. Uh, that's a we've, tough one. we've already talked uh. deeply about the two films, unless you've got something new to contribute. Anyone? Anyone? Otherwise, we're going to go straight to the voting. I'm going Ghost Dog. I'm going to go with Existence. I'm going with Ghost Dog 2. Uh, to me, Existence, again, I don't hate the movie. I liked it, but it's a little bit too much of a Rubik's Cube for me. Um, and Ghost Dog is a singular, very, very 90s document. Yeah. And I'm going to go Ghost Dog. I, so I, Ghost I have Dog, no problem with that. It yeah. was a close call. They're both good. It uh, progresses. Yep. Next. Next up, um, we got uh, Office Space versus Galaxy Quest. Mm-hmm. Now we get into it. I was going to say in the first round, but for the interest of time, I wanted to save this comment. Mike Judge has the uncanny ability to create things that seem innocuous at the time, mm-hmm. but 10 years later, mm-hmm. he has created a nugget of wisdom for yeah. us to say, holy fuck, this guy gets it. How many it. people quote this is one of those, Yeah. This is one of these quotable movies, like The Big Lebowski or Fill in the Blank, you know? People know quotes not from only this movie. Is it funny you said The Big Lebowski first. Yeah. I know. But yeah. not only are the films quotable, but they're prescient. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, despite the fact that half the technology in office space is outdated and Completely irrelevant. Completely obsolete. You don't change how people interact with each other. You don't change mm-hmm. how corporations fuck people over. Exactly. And this movie continues to speak to that in a very entertaining kind of way. Then on the other hand, we have Galaxy Quest, which is looking to the future yeah. and kind of a meta-examination of representations of space and All whatnot. Right. I still got to go with Office Space. I'll abstain since I didn't see Galaxy Quest, but Office I, Space. For I think me. it's going to go. I think it's going to go the way that I. I'm 100 saying Office Space. Galaxy, as well. Galaxy Quest is a funny movie. It's a good parody. It's cool. um, but Office Space, I think, is kind of an important document of its time. Yeah, honestly, for right. sure. Okay, you've got Fight Club versus Virgin Suicides. Fight Club. Uh, Fight Club here for me. Um, one thing I was going to say earlier. The best needle drop in a movie of the whole decade. Where is my mind? Where is, is my mind? Fuck mind. yes, dude. And when when the when the building blows up, and mm-hmm. then I will say this also in, in uh, tagging on that. Let's book in that the beginning of the film you have at the time called the Dust Brothers, the Chemical Brothers, playing yeah. the track mm-hmm. to that crazy intro credit going through the guy's brain cavity through his nostril yes. to the gun. What the fuck? It's probably his best movie. Ooh. Fincher's best yeah. movie. Um, we'll save that I'll, for another day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say Fight Club. You're saying Fight Club? Yeah. Even though I went against it in the first round, I would pick it in this yeah. particular matchup. Travis? Yeah, Fight obviously Club. Fight Club. So we're yeah. at Fight Club. All right. 
Moving on to the next set, we've got the Blair Witch versus John Malkovich. Fuck. Blood John Witch. Malkovich. Witch versus Blood the Vich. Being John Malkovich is a better movie than the Blair Witch Project. Being Same. what it is. In, any objections? The Blair Witch was more important to its genre than John Mal- than being John Malkovich. Okay. All right. I like, take, I like being John Malkovich. I'm going Blair Witch. I've already said my piece on Blair Witch and I unwatchable. It's being John, John Malkovich, Malkovich in a slaughter. And you, you said what, Joey? Ironically, a slaughter Witch. against Blair the horse. You're gonna make him say it twice. I'm gonna have to say John Malkovich. It, this is this is a this is riding the fence for me. I got no problem yeah. with that because um, I think they're both good. I, I think that that mm-hmm. I have to separate Blair Witch from the movie versus the marketing behind it. Because for me, the marketing yeah. behind Blair Witch is well, better I, than the movie itself. I fortunately yes. did not learn that it was a hoax until after I watched it. <laughs> All right. Man, have you guys seen this new documentary? <laughs> oh, it's crazy, man. <laughs> All right. Here, now we're getting into the good shit. Yes. Ghost Dog versus Office Space. Oh, uh, this is a tough this, one. This hurts. I'm going to go with Office Space. I, lo- I really like Ghost Dog, but... Uh, I think the tiebreaker for me is the cultural touchstone that Office mm-hmm. Space is. Like, you know, people yeah. can quote people that don't haven't even really seen the movie, know I, quotes from it or know the, you know, oh, the, the feel. Oh, of it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, we're heading for a collision course. What do you say? I'm going Office Space. Joey. Office Space. I'm going Office Space. Yeah. Oh shit. Ghost Dog's go. a really good movie, but yeah. I mean, you're going it's, against a cultural you, phenomenon. This so. is getting good, folks. Yeah. All right. In the other bracket, we've got Fight Club versus being John Malkovich. I'm going to go with Malkovich. Um, Same. Malkovich. Oh. Fight Club for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cite the uh, cultural touchstone um, argument. And uh, it, being John Malkovich to me is almost too absurd. It's like too absurdist. It's a great movie. I'm not, mm-hmm. I love it, but... I think Fight Club is a is a better document of its time and more important culturally. There you go. Fight Club. I got to say Fight Club. Oh, so mm, we have a wow. tie. I have a tie. So do we have so to have a tag team wrestling match? Or? Well, before you arrived, there was, I was told that I was the decider, but uh, I think that we should talk this out. Um, There's always the... Everything uh, Joey the, just the said ranking. about... The, well, I don't... I disagree with the ranking, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, which one's the higher seed again? Um, John Malkovich is the higher seed by a long shot. I don't think that there's an uh, there's an argument to be made for either one of those being the superior film. Mm-hmm. There is not an argument to be made that being John Malkovich is more important to our culture than Fight Club. Well, but there but there is an argument to be made that it is more influential cinematically. For example, I would say that. Um, I'm bad at the title of this one because everything always everywhere, everywhere always at once. once would not exist without being John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. I don't think, and and the movies that follow everything it in is that, illuminated. Yes, um, um, we. What is the one you mentioned earlier that you thought was 1999, Joey? Eternal sunshine. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind would not exist. So I, saying, saying, so I think there's a certain uh, absurdist aesthetic that has uh, in, influenced a lot of future filmmakers that, yes, uh, you're, you're right, Joey, probably more like cultural cachet, but cinematic cachet, if you want to think of like, how are they going to combat against each other? I would say probably Malkovich has been more influ- influential in that regard. So 
In 2024, does anybody have a coin in their pocket? <laughs> I do not. Do not. I do not either. Todd? Oof, I don't. Boy, I tell you. Mm, do I have some? Something you can flip? Something that can flip, yeah. Do we... No, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it that way. It's too important. Decide. Yeah. Um, geez. Are we, are we going to put a hot light on each other's faces until we, you know, <laughs> this is going oh, to turn into like 12 angry men, but four of, angry men instead or the movie until, red heat feats okay. of strength, <laughs> which one of us is going to be Henry so, Fonda wait, wait, who, who voted for fight club, me and Sean, uh, tag team wrestling match against obviously and Travis. Yeah. Y'all, I'm wiry, I gotta man. Say, I gotta yeah. say, I'm wiry. I like, I like mine and Sean's. I like old man strength. Yeah, <laughs> I like our odds here. Yeah. Y'all have more stature than us. We're still, 25 years later, we're still dealing with toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. We're still talking about fight We're club. not still dealing with We're not talking with about being Mon- Malkovich. John Malkovich. Yeah. Except in That's cinema. That's a good point. Except Joey. again in we're cinema. Still, we're still yeah. railing against We're still railing. Shit. We're still railing against Joey corporate. Joey might have it with fight yeah, yeah. club. Yeah, it's the corporate structure damn, bringing down the man. over. Yes. <laughs> Okay. So Fight Club moves on. Thank you, Travis. Huh? That's a phone. No, well, no, this no, is no. a hell of a final, and if you had asked me this at, is the, final. the beginning of the episode who the head the to head would be, these two would have been in the conversation. Fight Club versus Office Space. Ooh. I'm They're very go, I'm, similar themes. Yeah. Just like yeah. being completely frustrated and fed up with the corporate world yeah mm-hmm. and western civilization and it's such a both are, both are beautiful <laughs> beautiful pictures of of the time of 1999 of, of and yet still having pressing yeah now. our corporate overlords and and those of yeah. us who are trying to rail against it and, and try to undermine authority both movies speak to these those end points. up being universal themes, though, because you could go back to Melville sure. with, uh, you know, sure. um, with, uh, you know, uh, Bartleby, Bartleby the Scrivener. Yeah, the Scrivener. Uh, I would I prefer the Scribbler. <laughs> I would I would prefer not to Bartleby uh, said so to his corporate master. Speaking to the clown in myself, mm-hmm. I have to go with the comedy yeah. of the two yeah. and I'm going office space. I'm going Fight Club here. Uh, I'm not going to be mad if Office Space wins this. I love Office Space. If we had to sit down and watch one of them right now, I'd want to watch Office Space. Yeah, and there but we go. I do think that Fight Club is the better film. I mm. disagree. I think that uh, we're talking about cultural to- touchstones, which both of these are. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, but. Quotability, probably Office Space. And the first also, rule of Office Space is yeah. nobody talks about Office Space. Exactly. I uh, also think anyone who's ever worked in that you know corporate environment knows mm-hmm. how accurate it is, despite the fact that it's being satirical. Uh, having worked in those offices for many years before I went into teaching, um, you know the the double speak, the the memos that don't mean anything that you're supposed to read, and if you mm-hmm. didn't read it, even though it didn't mean anything to you, it you know you're still supposed to, you know the t. Yeah, I see you didn't put a TPS report on there. You'll have Which, to forgive uh, yeah. me if I get the dollar amount wrong, but uh, what would you do with $2 million? Me? Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, so first... Two, two chicks, chicks at the chicks same time. Two same time. I figure that's what <laughs> it would take for two girls to double up on a dude like me. So I'm going to go off of space. I think that that's our fucking 1999 winner. Woo! Awesome. I got I think, yeah. Good. Shout out to Mike Judge. Wow. A bit now, of a surprise. It came from, I, let's see, the uh, office space was the uh, 
the number 12 seed. Ooh, Top ranked number five, like you said. There's well, some so, so bracketology. I, so I think it's worth uh, knowing, going through the four of us, uh, would any of us have picked on our own personal brackets office space as the winner. I would have put it in the top four. I yeah. don't think so. I would have put John Malkovich probably as the first one. I would have had uh I would have had Fight Club probably as the mm-hmm. the probable winner. I would have mm-hmm. had Office Space in the final four, definitely. Yeah. I'm surprised Matrix didn't make it as make it yeah. farther. But Inter- for me it's just uh, been worn even, out. Yeah. It's interesting because for me that Fight Club election one was tough because I respect and like Fight Club. Yeah. But election for me, I prefer. So that would sometimes elections are a fight. I think if election had taken the first round, then it would have been in the final four. Mm -hmm. Thank you for recommending this idea. This was yours. I I think this is a good, good episode. Uh I love the brackets. They're fun. And uh, 1999 was an exciting year for movies, and what a crazy! Well, and one of the proofs winner. for me personally that it was a great year was the fact that normally when we do these things, there are way more than like two movies that I have to watch. And I looked at this list and I was like, oh, I've already seen most of these, and mm-hmm. most of them fairly recent. Multiple there was, times. There was yeah. three that I hadn't seen. One I watched. It was uh, Virgin Suicides. I've never seen it. Really? Oh, okay. Um, the Exist. Existence. In the movie, it's existence. It does, I think it existence. is supposed to be existence, you know, but they, uh, they pronounce it existence. And I watched that movie. one. And then Sweet and Lowdown, which there's also a movie from 1940 called Sweet and Lowdown. Did you know that? Different movie. Yeah, different movie. Oh, one little factoid toward the end here. Uh, I, you guys will appreciate this, especially Todd. Uh, I just re- learned today, and I didn't know this, uh, Sweet and Lowdown apparently is a very loose remake of one of my favorite films and yours, too, Fellini's La Strada. Oh, yeah, I saw that. La Strada, no right. Shit. I saw Whoa. that, too. Cool. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Uh, well, thank you, everybody, for joining us uh, for this episode. We've got an, a fun one coming up. Uh, this was at the recommendation of Chelsea. Uh, rest in peace. Boobs. We're Boob go- movies. We're going to do a film about unexpected nudity in film, meaning actors or actresses who gave us some some skin that was unexpected. Kind uh, of like William Peterson in... So in that later. To, and, and, and to, to live and die, live in, and LA. die in L.A. I was thinking more like uh, Julie Andrews in S.O.B., but right. yes, these are the kind I of movies that we're going to go for. We're going to plumb the depths of film to find some... Oh, there's plumb. something about Mary has to co- go in We're going to find some nudity that we did not expect. How did you get the beans below the Franks? <laughs> that, well, there's two in that one. The beans below the Franks, and then also when uh, Matt Dillon has the binoculars and thinks that he's looking at... Oh, yeah, 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 the yeah. old lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. so we're going to we're gonna look at some, some naked people in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to come back... and we're about gonna, it right now. Yeah, I know you are. We're going to have the booby count, which is one All of your right. favorite things in film. So, uh, everybody, thank you for joining us. Please remember to uh, love yourselves and love your family. and Tell your friends you love them. Yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Just reach out. Please do. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on social media. We're Cinema Chop Shop everywhere except for YouTube. We're Cinema Chop Shop Podcasts where you can watch an audio version of this podcast. And in the meantime, please remember to watch, watch Chop Retrofit. retrofit. And party like it's 1999. Yeah. Yay!